0: So we come this morning to think about vision. But we're thinking about a godly vision. Thinking about God revealing himself to us. Because a godly vision is unlike anything of this world's. A godly vision somehow opens up our heart and our soul and our eyes to see the beauty of God's. And it moves people into action. It changes people for the better And it brings about good things. And so as we come straight away, I just wanted us to think through a very well-known verse in the Bible. Proverbs 29, 18. The King James Version is well-known. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. But of course, it's good to look at other translations than just the King James Version. The New Living translation says, "When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. And the NIV, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraints, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction." So this verse, it's calling us to see God. Because what happens when people don't see God, when they don't accept his ways? Well, as it says, it leads to wild living. It leads to to people casting off restraint and doing their own thing. And so here we see what vision is. It's about grasping something of God that moves into our heart and leads to action. And there is great joy in that. As it says, there is joy, a blessing, a happiness for those that actually obey, that keep God's instruction, that follow through. That's what vision is all about. Because when we think about vision and some of the things even have in the wall here, we might say, oh, well, it's just a strategic plan. Vision is just about people making plans so that they can be successful. Tell me, why does a business exist? Why would a business exist? To make money, of course. It's probably a little bit more than that. You might say that they're trying to make a product or a service, that they actually see a need they want to meet, but ultimately, financially, it's about making money. And so there's all this planning that goes in. And so a thriving business will have a vision for the future because they're not just about survival. A lot of businesses just want to survive in our current day because it's competitive But a business wants to look to the future and actually do well. And so they have a vision. And so they have goals that they set. They have teamwork. There is these business plans that they make. They have strategy and they cooperate and they measure their success. Coming up with new ideas and all the operations that come. So all that backs the vision of the business so that they can last. But when we think about it, even big businesses today, were they big 10 years ago? Not many, Not many of them. And even in our current day, we could probably stop and think, tell me a business that's starting to go downhill. That you think, oh, that business, okay, it used to be okay, but it, it's really on its way out. Dick Smith Electronics <laughs> yes, well, and truly really on their way down. Dick Smith Electronics. They used to be quite the shop. Go down there to get all your transistors and bits and pieces. DVD store? I remember queuing up at DVD stores they were so popular. Or get you a VHS tape, the good old days. (laughs) And hopefully the person before you had rewinded the tape, because you'd get it home and it would be at the end. And you'd (laughs) have to rewind. Yes, that's been outdated. Any VHS businesses failed? What about another business that's... Any current ones on the... I reckon... What about Myers? They're on the way out. What do you think? Myers are on the way out. Probably they might reinvigorate, maybe, for a little while. Uh, Murray Goldman. Murray Galvin. Oh. On the... <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I guess the reality is, is that businesses don't last. They come for a season. Even the big businesses, Apple, who knows what's going to happen in 10 years. It might not be so big. 10 years ago, Apple wasn't that big as it is today. Uh, Google as well, that's uh, one that could come and go on. These big technology giants in our current day, unlikely to last. Because yes, sure, they make money or they produce things for a season, but they don't last. But that's the beautiful thing about stopping and looking to God. Because we know that as we get a vision of God, God and his ways last forever. They're not like a business that comes and goes. God continues. And so I want us to cast our attention on Psalm 127 verse 1. We were looking at this on the pastor's retreat. I was just, Nora and I were blessed to be in a pastor's retreat this last week. And we looked at this psalm. Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labour in vain. Just think about that for a moment. So much wasted effort in our world. So much wasted time and energy because people are doing it without the Lord. They put their hand at it and they work super hard. But we see that unless the Lord is involved, they are in vain. It doesn't last. It's just a a, a momentary gain. It comes and goes. Because if we take God out of the picture, it's just a short season of time. It's not anything of last or significance. So straight away, if we're looking for a godly vision, we need to remember that the things of God last. And so we shouldn't be focused. Our vision should never be on temporary things. Because they come and go. They aren't of lasting value. And then the second half of that verse, unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. We all need God's protection. I'm I'm sure we'd be aware of that and could give God the honour this morning because God has helped us. He's watched over us in difficult times. Just imagine that for a moment. Imagine you were watching over a city as a defender. Without the Lord there, well, I'd, be, I'd be up against it. It would be so hard. And yet you know that when the Lord is with you, it is good. There are countless times that I can say that we've prayed for God's protection in situations and he has been good and protected and watched over us. We all know that still bad things can happen. That's life. But when we pray and seek God, there is a blessing in his protection. God is good. And so, the point this morning I want us to to really focus on is that a godly vision, when we truly see God's, it puts God in his rightful place. When we have a revelation of God's, when we have even just a glimpse of the greatness of God, we can just see even the tiniest vision of God and his goodness. When we understand that God is who God claims he is in his words, when that truth sinks into our hearts, all of a sudden we know that God is the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the King of kings. When we get that vision, God gets into his rightful place where he should be as Lord over our lives. When we get that glimpse of God, it puts us in the rightful place. We are more, as that picture shows, people in need, People in need before a mighty and holy and perfect God. That is a truth for us when we get an encounter with God, a revelation. That's what true vision is. It's, It's getting a hold of who God is and who we are in desperate needs. And that takes us to Isaiah 6, where we see Isaiah have this in the most significant way. We're taken up to heaven. To the throne room of God where God dwells. And Isaiah, taken up there, he has a vision. And in that vision, we see these holy creatures that are around God. And they're calling out to one another. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. What a beautiful scene of perfection. Of how perfect God is. Holiness, of course, is a a term that means that God is separate from that which is broken. Separate from sin, separate from brokenness, because God is good. God is good, and so his glory is 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 proclaimed. And what is Isaiah's response? What does Isaiah do? What does he do? Yeah, he calls out, recognising who he is. Just as we were saying, he gets down probably in some sort of a position before God and says, woe to me, woe to me, I am ruined. Here he was, a man in the presence of a perfect God. He was putting God in his rightful place. He was like broken before the Lord. And his heart was exposed. He recognised that he had lips that were unclean. He had spoken things out of his mouth that were clearly were not honoring God's. And he was amongst people that weren't honoring God's. And so he was broken. He was broken greatly. He recognized, that, oh Lord, what is going on? He was smashed by God in a way. He was just brought before the Lord, before the greatness of God. And he recognized in his brokenness that he was amongst broken people. I know I've had that recollection recently is sometimes when you recognize and, and say sorry to God and you try to humble yourself before God that you still recognize that there's brokenness around us. There is so much brokenness in our society. So much brokenness in our worlds. Everyone needs the Lord's help. Everyone needs Him. And yet, we might expect Isaiah to be judged by God and, and given a difficult a very difficult sentence straight away, being somehow judged and condemned, but that's not how God works. We know that at this broken state we see that these seraphs get this hot coal and bring into his mouth, and you think, Oh, he's gonna burn as it comes. It's gonna hurt his mouth and and it's gonna bring about God's judgment. But instead mercy comes, God's grace. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. What a beautiful picture. What beautiful forgiveness that comes. And for so many of that, us, this is our story. When we come to know Jesus, the story that, Oh, I'm a sinner. I'm broken. I'm broken before this great and powerful and holy God. And yet rather than judgment in Jesus, he forgives me. He forgives my sins and gives me a fresh start. He cleanses me and my guilt is not before me in the eyes of God. It's a beautiful picture. And it's one that continues in the Christian journey that, yes, there is the first moment of realization that we need to say sorry to God, but it goes on. As we continue to make bad choices in life, we repent and we find the most beautiful forgiveness and cleansing in the Lord's. And what a change of heart takes place. From this broken man who was just unsure about what to do before the greatness of God. All of a sudden he hears a voice and that voice says, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And in his forgiveness state, rather than obviously a life of walking away from God and having an unclean lips, All of a sudden, there's a huge change. Without knowing what's ahead of him, he just says, here I am, send me. All of a sudden, his heart is for God. What a change. (laughs) What a change of heart. Rather than being away from God, now he is completely for God and what God wants. And that's what a godly vision does. When we see God, when we actually get what Jesus has done on the cross, when we actually understand the beauty of God, the beauty of Jesus, all of a sudden we change from walking away to God to saying, here I am. I am willing and available. Send me where you want to go. And without a doubt, I know that some of us can relate to that. In fact, that's why Beck and I and our family are here in Corowa because we opened up our lives and said, where do you want us? Where do you want us? We didn't even know Corowa was on the map before we came here. Not to say it was just because of our own ignorance. We were probably more city people. We didn't really understand the Riverina. We avoided it for some reason. Not deliberately, it's just the way that we lived our lives. And yet God called us here. And when we came, we knew it was the right place to be. And we said, Lord, if you want us in Corowa, we will go. But for many of us, I'm sure that we can relate. I know there are people here who have gone overseas on mission, at the moment, we have uh, Amelia Taylor overseas doing the work of the Lord and how she feels led with a group from YWAM. And so uh, it is good when people get this call. It's okay. It's all right, Steph. Okay, so here we go. So, had you ever thought about what Isaiah had to go and do? He said, I'll go. I'm going to go and do this task. But... but It's like the most incredibly difficult task you could ever get. Well, that's what God's going to do. He wants him to go and speak. I've I've missed out the first couple of verses before that. But he says, okay, I'm so glad you're going to go. Here's your task. I didn't want to tell you before I said you go because you wouldn't do it. But now that you've got the calling, now you've agreed and opened up your heart. Okay, so you're going to go out and preach and no one's going to listen. You're going to go out and, and spend the, the reality of, the, of people's hearts before God, where they're all broken, and Israel at that time, they were living wicked lives, they turned away from the Lord. And so he's just going to go out and harden hearts. He's going to go out and preach, and people are going to walk away from him, and they're going to just keep getting further away from the Lord as he just goes and pours out his heart. Talk about a disheartening call. You're you're basically foretold that you're going to go out and everyone's just going to turn their back on you and walk off. And you're just going to be left at the street corners or the temple or wherever you are trying to preach and everyone's just going to walk away. And the result is, how long, Lord, when he realizes? How long are you going to go do it for? Well, until my judgment comes upon the whole nation, until the cities lie ruined, there's no habitation left, obviously an enemy's going to come in and invade... Until the houses are deserted, the fields are ruined and raged, the Lord has sent everyone far away, and the land is utterly forsaken. Wow. That's a full-on calling. It's probably good just to remember that what does God ask of us? It's, it's probably not as severe as what these prophets faced in the Old Testament. We know that many of the true prophets of the Old Testament were killed. Some of them had their heads cut off. They were, they were, they were terribly treated. For, for standing up for the Lord's, because they were just speaking truth amongst the people that just didn't recognize it. But what kept them going was that they had the vision of the Lord and they had God's Spirit to keep them going. And so as we stop and think about Isaiah 6, there's a reality that a godly vision, when we see the greatness of God, it leads us to give up everything. A godly vision, it moves our hearts to to say, Lord, I'm going to give it all to you. Wherever you want me to go, whatever the task. Full surrender we talk about sometimes, surrendering our our own desires and wants and desires, everything over to God's. Jesus himself said that you should count the cost before following me. Jesus warned people and said, well, I'm actually asking you and following me to give up everything. And you might say, well, who would possibly want to give up their own desires and everything in our current day to follow this God, to follow Jesus? And the reality is it's us. I'm willing to. And I hope that in your heart you are, yes, I'm willing to give up everything. Because we know that God is in it and that God is a good God and he has good things in store for us. Things that are far greater than our current day. The reality is is that logic will never get people to follow Jesus because it's two hearts. They need to have a vision of God. We all need to have a vision of God's greatness to understand this truth because only then will we open up our hearts to say, Lord, I'm a broken person and I need your help. And when we know God is involved, we know that it leads to eternal life. The blessing of heaven where it's going to be perfection forever. And so that, Of course, that big vision of what is to come in God's presence is why we keep giving up and keep surrendering and keep choosing to honour God with our lives. And as we go through this process of of falling before the Lord in repentance and saying, sorry, Lord, you are Lord of lords, as we truly bow down before him and put him in his rightful place, then we say, send me. Then we say, I am willing to go. I am willing to go anywhere that you want me to go. Or I'm willing to get uncomfortable, very uncomfortable for you. I'm willing to even follow Isaiah if if that's what you ask. To go and have a very difficult task. To go and speak some words to some people that just don't seem to care or understand. And I'm sure there's situations where we've stepped forward to God and it seems like no one cares, no one understands. But we just don't know when someone will get it when they will understand it, when it will all be worthwhile. The reality is, is that when we get this picture of a great God, He calls us to great things that are beyond us. And so they will make us uncomfortable. They will stretch us. But that's good for us because it helps us to, to focus more on God and to ask for His help, to focus on who He is. Because with this, this change of heart, it's like, Lord, I will go now. Now that I know that you are the God of all, I will go where you send me. And so my prayer this morning is that we will be people that have a greater vision of God's. Wouldn't it be beautiful to have a fresh or or a deeper vision of the greatness of God's? Because in that vision, we will truly have repentance and say sorry to God. And that will lead us out to God. It's beautifully captured in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Who are we now? We are his masterpiece, God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand in order that we would walk in there. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it, about who we are now in Jesus. For us who believe, we have this vision of the greatness of God's and it means that God is the one that's directing our paths. He has good things for us to do. Good works. So that God will be honoured in our lives. That's what a godly vision is all about. It's not about a business plan. That's not what a godly vision is about. A godly vision is about seeing God and being moved into action. A godly vision brings about people that are willing and obedience. I think there's a dangerous trap for people sometimes that we just make the things of God about our minds, that we just need to learn more. It's not just about learning. It's not just about getting some concepts into our head. It's about a heart change, where we recognise God is God and that I am here to serve Him. Because sometimes head knowledge can lead to pride, and that leads to a fall, or head knowledge can actually say, Oh, I'm good enough. But the reality is, is that the head knowledge can be a trap. It's supposed to be about us going and serving the Lord, just like Isaiah did. It's about us. When we get that godly vision, it's about doing the fundamentals well. When we realize that God is God, it should be our heart's desire to seek Him, to actually dig deep into the Word of God. I'm sure we could all be challenged to dig so much more. Maybe we read the Bible for 15 minutes a day at the moment. Well, why not push ourselves and aim for half an hour an hour? Maybe we're someone that that, that already reads the Word for an hour. Why not dig so much more? Because this is going to give us a vision of God as we let that sink into our hearts. Maybe it's in the area of prayer that we should be really devoting our hearts into. I know that Margaret has a beautiful heart for prayer. May we be people that desire to be talking to God. Maybe we pray for five minutes a day at the moment. Maybe we could stretch that to say, well, I'm going to make that an hour. I'm going to somehow regather parts of my day. I'm going to make it three hours. Whatever it is, we can do it while we do other things. Prayer is is, is available wherever we are. Prayer is a beautiful thing as we seek the Lord. That's just... The very basics. And as we seek God, he will show more of himself and that will lead us to people. And we all know about divine appointments when God leads us to someone. It's always a wonderful encouragement when we have an encounter and we know that God sent us there and then he helps us with the right words. So while we have things on, the, on our board, important things which I believe are all affirmed in the scriptures, what is behind a godly vision is about seeing our great God us as a church, recognizing that we need Him and that that will lead us to grow in these areas because they matter to our gods. Let's pray. Our loving Father, we thank You so much that You are a God who cares about us. As we are here this morning, Lord, we pray for a a fresh vision, a, a deeper understanding of Your greatness, of Your power, of Your might. Lord, that You will show us Uh, the true state of our hearts. Lord, we are sorry for the times that we get it all wrong. We're sorry for the times that we look to the temporary stuff. Lord, change us. Help us to have a greater vision of you and that, Lord, that will send us out. Send us out to to, to reach people. That that will change our hearts to seek more of you. And we ask for your blessing in this, in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to watch a YouTube clip, a a Christian song, just as a reflection, Uh, just spend a few minutes. So just let the the words that we've been talking about just be a reflection as we watch this clip. Uh, So if someone could turn the lights off, that would be great. It's called Thrive by Casting Crowns.